0: to the gender rebels
1: i'm kathleen a cis woman and ally and i'm faith a trans woman gender rebels is a question and answer podcast that explores life outside the gender binary a big thanks to our patreon supporters if you'd like to support the show go to patreon.com slash gender rebels Hey everyone, I'm Kath. And I am Faith. We got so much good material from Dr. HD, we split it into two episodes. Welcome to part two. And
0: don't worry, if you haven't heard part one, this is all going to be completely understandable. But listen to part one, there's good stuff there. There is great stuff. That's actually why we wanted to do two parts, because there's great stuff in both. For those of you who haven't listened to the first part yet, Dr. HD does a blog, and it is called...
1: Hormones Demystified. Link down below. Really good stuff. Also, transgender patients are his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you had mentioned, this is interesting, the new Endocrine Society guidelines. We are interested in discussing this. So we had briefly discussed the Endocrine Society before. We had a previous episode we discussed with another uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist and working with transgender kids. So it sounds like you're saying there have been changes in these guidelines.
2: Yes? Yeah. So I was just looking at this recently, and these are the guidelines that... Um, I think most endocrinologists are are going off of when, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're trying to figure out what to do. And it it used to be very prominent that when someone wanted to start on hormone therapy, one of the first steps was to get what's known as a letter of readiness. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. a psych letter, psychiatrist letter, psychologist letter?
2: Yeah, basically any licensed mental health therapist who has experience with gender care Uh, who can say yes the diagnosis of gender dysphoria is correct there's Mm -hmm. this is not body dysmorphic disorder this Mm. is not disorder of sexual differentiation or something like that Mm -hmm. this is pretty clearly gender dysphoria and the person has been thinking about this for at least however many months or years and has taken the following steps to address whatever needs to be addressed and you know they kind of go down the line and you kind of tick off a bunch of boxes Mm -hmm. and then the person comes to me with this letter and say okay I, you know we can go ahead and and start hormone therapy so that was always thought to be a, a pretty major requirement in order mm-hmm. to begin hormone therapy and i i always found these letters helpful not really because i thought that the diagnosis of gender dysphoria was ever going to be <clears throat> incorrect because in my experience I just haven't really seen anybody come to me who turned out to have something that something sounded else. like gender dysphoria that was right. something else.
0: Yeah. So
2: it just, you know, I don't know, it just hasn't happened for me. <laughs> so I, I wasn't so concerned about the correct diagnosis, but I was always concerned about whether there was something going on mentally, uh, since I'm not a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, that could potentially become very unstable or flare when we start Mm. manipulating hormones. And I always wanted to know about these things in advance. You know, if there's, if there's, let's say really bad depression or anxiety that Uh maybe is not all generated from the gender dysphoria, I kind of want to know that that's been addressed and, and it's stable. So I always found these, these letters really helpful, but in over the last, you know, five years or so, there's been this major push with people coming in saying, yeah, I just want to do informed consent.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
2: And the first time I heard that, I, I thought, well, what do you mean informed consent? And like, that's a, everybody gets informed consent <laughs> yeah. for everything. What yeah. do you mean? And then yeah, I, I sort of learned, already. yeah,
1: that, yeah
2: here, here you are. So you're <laughs> clearly done a lot of reading. I know you're informed. Yes. Um, but you, so I, I, I was never really fully comfortable with the idea that I would be the only person, you know, if this this person had not spoken with any therapist at all sure. about anything, I just felt like I could really miss something psychologically because I'm not trained in that field. Mm-hmm. So I, I always really like to have the letter. But yeah. now in the newest guidelines, it doesn't specifically say that people need a letter of readiness anymore. Okay. So it that means def-
1: the default is switching to informed consent.
2: Well, I... I don't know. You know, I, it's it seems like cause I, I read I read through it a couple times because I thought, well, maybe I missed something here. <laughs> and I, I think they are. I get or I get the sense that they are studiously avoiding making a call on that. I think they okay. know what the issue is, and they they do seem to still make it very clear that they think that the licensed mental health practitioner is a very important member of the team, sure. and they they do lay out all of the criteria that they think a mental health therapist should have in order to make the diagnosis and recommend hormone therapy and all that. So that clearly they value that person's membership in the team, Mm -hmm. but they don't specifically say that we need this letter. They basically just say, hey, as the endo, you're going to need to just make sure this person has gender dysphoria and that you think you can do this safely and then, uh, you know, go for it.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that, I mean, it sounds like in a sense that makes your job harder or at least potentially harder.
2: Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, that's not great. Yeah, I think it could be a little bit harder because I think, you know, I, I do think that people in general want fewer hurdles and I totally yes. get that, yes. especially when when someone's been thinking about this for potentially decades before yes. they get to me and, you know, they finally gotten over the hurdle of just saying to themselves and maybe their family members and friends like hey I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this yeah and then they get in in my office and then I say oh by the way you know there's there's uh. just this one other thing and I mean I, I totally get it because they're all they're 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 psyched up and it would That's probably it. take a to lot to yeah. yeah it, it can also be hurts.
0: it can also be really tricky because if you're someone like I'm in New York I've got Cal and Lord like I'm set but mm-hmm. If you live in, you know. Not in New York. Not in New York. (laughs) uh, Gosh, I can't even think of it. If you live in Philomath, Georgia, and you're trying to find this, actually, that would be near Athens. But anyway, you're in a small town (laughs) and you don't have access to a doctor because it may be a three or four hour drive and so is a psychiatrist who may want to do weekly visits that become that can become very onerous for people so i get why a lot of trans people you know would celebrate this because that removing that hurdle you know can be a huge a huge deal for a lot of people who don't have access Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to that but i'm thinking about what what Dr. H D mm-hmm. is yeah.
1: saying is is, you know, what what are the risks? What are we Yeah. What, oh, totally. what should we think about? What should I anticipate? I mean, I guess, you know, any kind of hormone replacement therapy there's is no small thing. Like this no. is a big deal no matter what. Do you have similar concerns about depression or anxiety if someone has a thyroid problem or for example?
2: Um well, no, not really in the same way. And I know I mean, they're
1: I... not even close to equivalent. Yeah, I mean, I know, it's but...
0: because the thing is, is that you can do a blood test for a thyroid issue, I assume. You you know, there's yeah. there's physical markers. It's hard to diagnose someone. It's hard for a, a medical doctor who's not a psychiatrist to, That's true. to um, diagnose someone. They can't stick you in an MRI. They can't take some blood and check, you know. It's, That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you know,
2: I, I think that, you know with almost any medical condition you can certainly have some psychiatric comorbidities you know yeah. things that are that are there at the same time but you know i know that i can make the thyroid problem look really good at least on paper mm-hmm. you know by checking the labs and doing whatever i'm doing to their thyroid i i can make it look beautiful on paper <laughs> and in theory at least once it looks beautiful on paper any residual symptoms that may be there could be due to something else so maybe you know sure. the depression was primary depression and it wasn't just caused by the thyroid but I think with with gender care it's much more squishy right because like totally. you said Faith, there's um there's no good I mean yeah I can check the hormone levels but the hormone levels don't correlate with any kind yeah, um,
1: of emotion it's not the yeah. picture yeah yeah yeah. No, you're right. You're right, and it's complicated, but interesting. But it yeah, it does make your job harder, definitely. It is a
0: tricky balance between you know access and and risk aversion. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I I could get both sides. I'm going to lean toward more access personally, but sure, sure. I totally understand the risk aversion side. Totally.
2: Yeah, I uh-huh. I think what what I'll probably wind up doing is um, you know, I'll I'll kind of push for at least one or two visits because nowadays I found that people can usually get that letter of readiness within you know a couple of visits if it's pretty oh, yeah, straightforward that's that's good. at least in in my area and there seem to be a fair number of therapists who are pretty comfortable with it now but if i have someone who just really is is geographically um disadvantaged or yeah. uh, yes. or it just really has a social situation you know with work or what have you that does not enable them to, to get to these
0: yeah. appointments.
2: And they. I feel like the benefits of treatment really outweigh the, the potential risks of exacerbating their depression or doing something sure. that could have surprising consequences. I'll, I'll probably just go ahead and get started with it.
1: Sure, sure. And well, that's good. I mean, and I'm always concerned that someone will go to a therapist or a psychologist or someone who for whatever political or religious
0: reason. Yeah, you know. I've heard stories about that. When my parents sent me to a psych, mm-hmm. a psych person. A Christian psychiatrist? Yeah, for something unrelated. Uh, it was it was actually for their divorce. Mm-hmm. But they sent me to a Christian therapist. And it was, you know, so if you are Did that Seeking, person learn about your If secret? you're in, or... No, but okay. if you're in Florida, you know, like Okachi, Florida or somewhere, mm-hmm. and you go there and like... You know, the only Christian, it's only like Christian therapists in your gown who are very conservative. That may not be an Without avenue for problem. You. Yeah, you're never yeah. going to get that letter. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. tricky. It's tricky.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I, that never even occurred to me, but I, I live in a more liberal area. So, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. too
1: uh, It's nice, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even have to worry about yeah. that. So, yeah, so one of the questions I'd ask you, because I've always been curious about this, is um, hormones are potent medications, and alcohol is a potent medication, and is there ever any reason to instruct your patients to be teetotalers, or is that something they can just continue on with whatever their drinking habits were?
2: Usually the answer is they can continue on, but there's definitely a caveat to that when oh. they're drinking too much, because uh, one of the the side effects, I guess you could say, of alcohol or too much alcohol for some people is that it raises their triglycerides pretty high. Mm,
1: okay. And
2: the estrogen can also do that, particularly the oral estrogen. So okay. I, I will counsel people sometimes to cut back. And then, you know, sometimes even though the hormones don't necessarily cause weight gain, I sometimes see people gaining weight for various reasons when they start hormones hmm. uh, and some of it may be a little bit of a cause and effect but i think there are other things that that happen but when they do start gaining weight then we start to see all the typical things that happen with weight gain the blood sugars start yeah. to go up the course. triglycerides start to go up and all that kind of stuff and and the blood pressure goes up and then all of a sudden the hormones start to become oh, riskier
1: yeah 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 have you ever had to tell someone it, 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 we're getting very risky, I'm getting uncomfortable, you need to lose weight, or I'm taking you off the hormones. Has it ever come to that?
2: I have not ever couched it that way. Okay. Uh, you can't really the, threaten
1: your patients, I guess.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that, that generally doesn't go over so well. But That's I think the, the the other thing that I've found is that the amount of risk that my transgender patients are willing to accept mm-hmm. in order to take their hormones is a much higher level of risk than what some of my other patients are willing to accept yeah. for whatever their condition is. I mean, actually, I have a post that releasing tomorrow about osteoporosis, and it's kind of a scathing uh, <laughs> indictment, which is kind of my style of uh, of how people just don't want to take these medications that they think are the the, the devil's instrument. What? And,
0: okay. Yeah. Oh, like, Whoa.
2: Because, you know, of course i'm I'm giving them something that's gonna destroy their bones when i'm when oh, I'm trying to help Okay uh, oh, but i I find that 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 transgender patients, uh, you know the the dysphoria is really best treated by hormones and faced with the option of living the rest of their life with untreated gender dysphoria versus, taking the hormones and assuming whatever risk they're going to be assuming, Mm -hmm. usually they're willing to assume the risks. But I I have had at least one person who was older when they started testosterone Mm -hmm. then have a a stroke and there's a question as to whether the testosterone might have elevated that risk for stroke. And ultimately he decided, you know what, this isn't worth it. I would rather be alive than dead and just stop the testosterone
0: wow okay wow okay wow. that's it i mean that's a huge decision but that's the worst decision oh
1: my god i would rather
0: be i mean if i had a serious risk i would rather be alive Yes. yeah good i mean
1: i'd rather you be around i mean
0: i've heard i mean the one thing that i've, I've always heard is that smoking at least for trans women is an absolute never no, 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 do no. not yeah. smoke yeah
2: that's okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that, that is an instance where I've said, I'm not going to start estrogen ah, yeah, until yeah. you stop smoking. And then, you know, pretty much universally, they stop smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and then while they're on estrogen, you know, at a follow-up visit, it may be, well, uh, I'm having maybe a couple cigarettes a week. Or and when I drink. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> so I, I strongly encouraged them to not do that
0: yes i actually my doctor she wouldn't put me on hormones this was this is the first time i did hormones like years ago long story but the point is she wouldn't put me on hormones until i stopped smoking i quit smoking two days later <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good for you.
0: i did cold turkey yeah <laughs> haven't touched That's one since it's been seven or eight years haven't touched one it can be very
1: motivating right to be able to, to yeah actually be yourself yeah uh versus a s- smelly cigarette yeah. exactly easy choice Wow! Wow! That they that I I I'm impressed that that guy. It never occurred to me, but this is another question of mine, which is: Are there any contraindications to hormone therapy, and and what do you do for your trans trans patients then?
0: Wait, what's contraindication? Oh,
1: meaning it won't be safe for you to
0: take these. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure.
2: There's 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 definitely there's definitely some cases where we've had to get a little creative. So, so one of the the conditions that can make estrogen use dangerous is if someone has a history of migraine with aura, which is where they get certain symptoms before the migraine comes on. Uh, So there's an increased risk of stroke in someone who has migraine with aura and then Mm -hmm. starts taking estrogen. So in order to actually give that person estrogen, which, you know, kind of depends, you know, are they actively having migraine with aura? It's probably sure. not a good idea at all yeah, because it's, it's yeah. incredibly risky. But in someone who just has a history of it, but hasn't had migraine with aura in, you know, maybe five or 10 years, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense to try to use the lowest dose possible mm-hmm. of estrogen. So whereas in many transgender women, they'll take an anti-androgen like spironolactone and then the estradiol, I actually was giving this other person a uh, gnrh agonist which is basically an injection to shut down their own production of testosterone oh. Oh. so that way we don't have to use high doses of estrogen to shut oh. down testosterone production because that that's
1: nice. interesting yeah
2: so if you can completely shut down testosterone production with these injections, which tend to be more expensive than the other way of treating, mm. then you can use these much lower doses of estrogen and get and still get a nice effect. So that's kind of Great. like a compromise. Okay. But if someone has, you know, uh, let's say a history of a clotting disorder where they develop those DVTs, those mm. uh, blood clots in the legs that can then travel to the lungs and be fatal. Yeah. Then giving estrogen really is at that point, it's it's an absolute contraindication, ah. uh, which means we we can't do it. So, you know, really, it's all uh, spiro.
1: I mean,
0: or, or removing the testicles. Yeah. I guess. Well, that won't increase your estrogen. No, right. But yeah. At least it,
2: right. You can. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You can. You can try to uh, block the action of testosterone. You can try to remove the testes to um, you know, not have as much male hormone in the body. Uh, and then, you know, just with mechanical measures, you know, laser and things like that, just do the best you can. But yeah, yeah, those are, those are really, really tough situations. Um,
1: yeah, there's, there's nothing to do then.
2: Yeah. For, for estrogen and DVT, you know, I mean, I, I guess if it's, I mean, I suppose you could have a conversation with the hematologist who works up these clotting disorders and say, okay, are we going to put this person on lifelong blood thinner so that we can use the estrogen and decrease mm-hmm. the risk? I guess, you know, if someone had dysphoria that was, was really just incapacitating, then it might be worth the risk of taking a lifelong blood thinner so that they could take Estrogen, but sometimes you know when you when you take a blood thinner, you can still have a clot. Sure. You know sure. through that, and it, so it's it's not a it's not a um, a sure thing. Not a great solution. So yeah. It's not a great solution. No. Yeah. So it's really all just sort of balancing out the the risk or weighing okay. weighing the risk and Yeah. Benefit.
0: All right. Do you well, want to ask um, Avery's question? Oh yes, very very quickly.
1: And our non-binary friend Avery, who had been on one of our episodes recently had brought up the concern of having non-binary gender markers on your ID and your driver's license, whatever. And their concern was, would this be at all a risk in an emergency medical situation? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I don't think there would be any risk in, in an emergency medical situation because okay. in a in a true emergency uh, where someone is unconscious, they're, no matter who they are or what they look like, what gender they are they're getting the same exact care oh, good. Um, i mean you know although there was that study that just came out recently that said women were some large percentage less likely to get cpr than men and the thought huh. was that people oh. were uncomfortable about exposing a woman's breasts in order to huh. begin chest compressions right but anyway in theory <laughs> everyone's getting exactly the same care when when there's a, a major emergency situation i really don't think that the that the gender matters at that point in that acute okay. situation.
1: Okay. That is that is reassuring. It yeah. That's good though.
0: That's it's good. I mean, Especially, every other concern
1: yeah. was like discrimination when applying for jobs, which, you know, has nothing to it's do with a this, whole other but, yeah. But this is that's it's, reassuring. Uh-huh. That's really good to know. Yeah. All right. Doctor, this has been so, so helpful and we have taken up this so been, much of your time. Yeah. There's been
0: so much good information. We want to thank you so much for providing all this. Yes. And your your blog that you do? It's
2: hormonesdemystified.com.
0: Hormonesdemystified.com. Mm-hmm. Link probably.
1: down below. I've read a bunch of these posts. They're great. I really, really like your very skeptical, very science-minded approach. Keep on. Holding those naturopath's yeah. feet to the fire, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I hate hearing that
1: someone has an ND and like what you. I know what you're trying to get away with when you say. You oh have my god! An and ND. we
0: actually, this is something for another. <laughs> this is something for another episode. We do an but entire episode when they do those. I've seen those herbal remedies for like breast growth and like really uh, yeah wow such garbage wow anyway thank you yeah thank you so much for providing all this great information for our listeners we really appreciate it we really appreciate it thank you so so much thanks for having me
2: yeah thanks for having me on
1: and if you're up for it we would love to have you back another time but i know you're busy and that is totally up to you
2: oh yeah we we can do a round two
1: all right, awesome. all right. Awesome. Hooray, hooray. All right, thank you so much for thank speaking you. with us. Hopefully we will talk to you soon.
2: All right, thanks guys. Great,
1: great. thank, thank
0: you. you so much.
2: Bye. All right, bye-bye.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode and want to help us keep making more great content, go to patreon.com forward slash gender rebels. We have many different levels of support and lots of great rewards, including drinks with the gender rebels at Stonewall
1: please leave a five-star review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us.
0: And send your questions to questions at genderrebels.com or find us on Twitter at The Gender Rebels. Music for The Gender Rebels is by Jasper the Colossal.
1: Follow the link down below or download them on iTunes today. And for all our episodes, visit genderrebels.com. The Gender Rebels is a comeback. sync. Production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. And to all you
0: gender rebels out there, keep rebelling. Bye. Bye.